Welcome to the Transformation Leaders Podcast. I'm Tony Lockwood and I'm delighted that you could join me on this latest episode. Each episode takes the form of a discussion with a leader who openly shares their experiences of leading organisations through the transformation journey. Today I'm delighted to welcome Gavin Hans to the podcast. Gavin's experience as a marketing director within a variety of different sectors uh, provides a different perspective on the world of change and transformation than anyone that we've had on the podcast previously. So I'm sure you'll enjoy this show. Let's move on and introduce you to Gavin now. Hi, Gavin. Thank you very much for um, joining us today. It's deli- I'm delighted to, that you agreed to join me um, on the Transformation Leaders podcast. It's great to have you here. Um, I, I'm excited, actually, about this episode um, because I think it will develop um, in slightly different ways to previous episodes have done because your background is, is unlike anyone else that we've had on the, on the show previously. And it'd be interesting just to get your perspective on the core area, subject areas of change and transformation in the sectors that you've worked. So uh, as we always do, let's start by introducing you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background and how you first came to get involved in change and transformation. Yeah, well, Tony, hello. And um, first of all, thank you very much for uh, featuring me on the podcast. It's a real privilege and an honor to be a part of it. Um, I've spent most of my career working in the food and drink industry, Um, most of the time working with manufacturers and suppliers to food service and hospitality. Up until fairly recently, I'd spent 15 years at BidFood leading the growth marketing strategy there. Um, Some of the listeners may be familiar with BidFood, but in case not, uh, Bidfood is one of the UK's largest food service distributors. It's got over a billion pounds turnover. Um, it offers um, delivery of uh, next day delivery of thousands of ambient, frozen, fresh and chilled uh, ingredients to hospitality and catering customers. I guess my introduction to transformational leadership started at Bidfood without my really realizing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fortunate enough to join the business in its embryonic stage. It wasn't the large public listed company it is now Um, and at that stage it really was just a collection of small wholesale businesses that had been acquired by private equity investors and bundled together under an umbrella brand as you can imagine with the expectation uh, from those investors there was a big emphasis on, on roi and as a, as a result, there was a real entrepreneurial spirit in the business. Um, the brief was simple, customer acquisition, drive sales and drive margin. Mm. Um, change was the order of the day. Um, innovation, transformation and new thinking was expected. And you wouldn't be doing tomorrow what you were doing uh, today. Mm. So it was a really exciting uh, business to be in. And I think that's, I guess, is what's kind of spurned on my kind of, um, I suppose, my um, my style and contribution to organisations. It is about doing things better, um, but making it noticeably better. Um, subsequent to my time at Bitfood, um, I've spent the last three years working more or less in the same industry on a freelance consultancy basis. Um, the The work that I get involved with is uh, typically commercial transformation. Um, So looking at marketing strategies that will accelerate revenue growth, uh, perhaps looking at new revenue streams. 
Um, but typically, my focus areas are around customer acquisition. So looking at new channels, perhaps new markets, new geographies. Um, often that requires some sort of look at product propositions. So I get involved with uh, new product de development or existing product development, um, perhaps expansion into new categories. Um, but almost all of the projects I get involved with uh, have some sort of uh, digital transformation uh, aspect to them. So looking at e-commerce capability, um, thinking about how um, transactional data and and insight can be used to underpin revenue growth and how that digitally can be sort of automated um, to drive, um, you know, to drive uh, uh, getting more of customer basket, getting more profitability and so on. So, so that's really in a nutshell what I've been doing with myself for the last couple of years. Brilliant. Well, I'm sure there's a couple of things that I want to come back to as we progress on the, on the show. Um, but the first question we always ask, Every every uh, uh, guest on, that comes on the show. How do you define transformation? It's an interesting question. Um, I think first of all, just to say, I don't think there's ever been a time where companies have to be more adaptable. Um, you know, there's accelerated change in consumer behaviour at the moment for 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 a whole number of reasons. Um, markets are, are changing. Um, there's challenges in supply chains in terms of product availability and, and, and so on. And I suppose as, as the world emerges from the COVID crisis, I think, you know, it's driving some of that. But I think we're also kind of experiencing a perfect storm at the moment where there's, you know, massive you know, political issues across the world. Um, I think climate change is something which we, we're all becoming more and more aware of in terms of how it's affecting not only availability of product, but actually you know, how we have to live differently. Um, and I think the other thing which I'm, I'm, I'm very aware of is um, exponential technological change at the moment. So where it's sometimes even hard to keep up with, you know, some of the capabilities that digitization, for example, is, is, is delivering for us. So uh, companies that stand still really risk their survival in the long term. And I, I know you might have heard me mention before, but I often use... Um, Kodak or Blockbuster as examples of companies that really took their eye off the ball and just didn't see things coming, didn't embrace the change that was going on behind there, and they got left behind in this ever-changing world. So it's, I think, you know, more than ever, you know, transformation, you know, has a big role to play. But I suppose to answer your question, you know, how do we define transformation? And I think what it is is distinguishing between that sort of day-to-day -day constant improvements and, and evolution of the business, which you know good management tends to deliver. You know, you, you you're looking for your growth, your quarterly growth, monthly growth, so on. But when does that become more radical? Cha radical change. You know, when does that um, become transformation? So the, 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 there's there's a line that that is sort of crossed at some point, and. And I think for me, you know, transformation is about creating seismic impact in the organization. It will, it's something that will step change its positioning and performance. It introduces something new and something which is different. It's not just remorphing existing ways of working or, or, or kind of um, tinkering or improving, uh, you know, stuff which is there already. So I think the business emerges, you know, from transformation, looking and feeling very difference in the marketplace. In my experience, change is probably transformation if, if the organization feels a couple of these things. So 
um, generally they'll feel an impact across several functional areas in the organization and, and, and some change to ways of workings. Often the process of embedding this will involve some sort of, um, if you like, a temporary kind of working groups to transition structures into a new place and so on. The transformation will almost always impact on, on people in some way. So it will probably require some kind of new skills in the business. So perhaps retraining, restructuring, um, perhaps recruiting more headcounts uh, or recruiting for new skills. Uh, it usually uncomfortably involves some investment um, so uh, to, to create more capacity in the business. Um, and that could be, you know, across it could, it, it could be physical infrastructure, it could be services, new services or digital services that need to be uh, bought and so on, new vehicles or whatever. Um, and I think it always creates some elements of risk um, which needs to be managed. And chat a bit, a little bit more about that just now. Um, and I think the level of financial investment that, that the transformation project will need will probably be, be quite a bit above the usual uh, kind of level of investment going into the business or businesses investing themselves or maintain themselves all the time. And that in itself obviously creates some financial risk that needs to be managed. So, that, yeah. so I think you know, if it impacts in, in an organisation any one of those ways, uh, and I think the, the point of emphasis here is that there's, it's, it's felt, it's not just day-to-day, -day, it's something different, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's really interesting, actually. Just coming back to uh, something you said earlier, Gavin, about your experience in that sort of food and hospitality sector. It's a sector that changes, has to change quickly and frequently um, to, to keep up with consumer demand and the change in, in, in the environment, et cetera, et cetera. So in your experience, um, what type of things do they need to have in place or an organisation need to have in place for transformation to be successful? I think it's really key that all organisations uh, stay on top of what's going on in their market. So, um, you know, at a very fundamental level, you know, having a good... Um, a flow of, of insights and research data which allows them to understand what their different customers are doing. So um, typically in, in, in the food service sector, the, the market is quite diverse. So if you think about it, there's pubs, restaurants, hotels, care homes, um, educational institutions, um, you know, even prisons and hospitals and so on that, that are all pro provided for by caterers. So as you can imagine, your strategy for supplying a pub or a restaurant is going to be vastly different to one for a care home or a school. Yeah. Um, so actually, the, the, generally organisations working in the food service space actually have to have a very broad mindset in terms of keeping an eye uh, on, on, on what's going on out there. And also within the space, there typically uh, can be quite a lot of regulatory um, uh, kind of influences going on. So if you think about, you know, government policy around um, sugar and fats and salt, um, there's, 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 there's cost pressures, for example, in, 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 in the cost sector. So obviously, you know, taxpayers are paying for school meals and, and, and the NHS and so on. So there's a number of kind of uh, factors that really influence um, how you serve this market. And actually, um, you know, getting back to the good old management theory of your sort of pestle analysis, you know, you've got to be doing those because 
um, things are changing all the time. And overlay that then with, I mentioned earlier, the, the you know, the, um, the enormous um, kind of uh, awareness that we're all having now, sort of sustainability issues, particularly because we're feeling climate change and so on. You know, even at a granular level, a granular level, thinking about you know how products are packaged, um, how you move them around in the supply chain in, a, in, in, a, in an efficient way, um, and um, you know also just thinking about how cons- consumers want to feel um, about the food that they're eating. Um, you know, if they are a meat eater, they want to know that that animal has lived a good life when 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 it was on the farm, um, and um, they want to know that you know the vegetables that have been harvested have been you know um, done in a way where the people working in that environment and so on um, have have been treated well as workers. So there's there's such a um, if you like a real rich tapestry of of, of dimensions uh, to being good in the sector. And I think you know somebody was saying to me the other day, anyone it's not that difficult to find a, a, a way to move a box from A to B. Um, you know, in, in, in a reasonably efficient way, but actually finding a way where you do it differently and finding a way to make your customers feel different about how you do it is what makes those customers keep coming back to you. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the, the industries uh, or, or the manufacturers and suppliers who work in the space that I see doing things well are keeping their eye on all of those things that I've just mentioned and, and more. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because some of those were uh, almost um, conf- conflicting elements, aren't they? The regulation against the cost management, against the changes sort of environmental needs, et cetera, et cetera. And they're things that will be pulling and pushing different strategies and, 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 and then overlay that, as you said at the start, with the solutions that you have in different sectors that's that's quite a complex thing that um, leadership teams need to be really um, need to grab hold of, don't they? And, 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 and will drive some big decisions on a regular basis because things change so quickly. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, one of the other big challenges in, 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 in the space, and I think it applies to a lot of businesses at the moment, is actually just the break and scale at which costs are moving. So, you know, in these businesses, operational costs, you know, if you think, um, you know, anything involving food supply, there'll be fridges and freezers and and so on, which all draw electricity and, um, you know, cost more to run. Fuel is more expensive, moving things around on the road. So these businesses actually um, have never had more of a challenge in terms of keeping an eye on the margin because, um Arguably, the margin could be changing on a daily basis. So it's not only the, the the cost changes of your goods coming in, but the operational costs of your business are are, are changing so rapidly as well. So it's it's a real it's a really um, it's it's a real hands on environment at the moment. If you want to stay profitable and stay good at what you're doing, no, so so environmental issues. In, in the widest context, in terms of the environment that you operate within, keep an eye on, make sure that you're on the front foot. So that's number one. What would be what would what would be some other um, activities that will, you know, make that make that sort of um, transformation or that change successful in in, in that sort of food and uh, uh, food and hospitality sector. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, thinking of my role as, as uh, you know, when I get involved with transformation um, projects with businesses, and they're usually businesses that perhaps have been, um, have done quite well, um, but they're seeing their growth slow. So perhaps their their um, competitors are catching up with them a little bit. Perhaps they've, you know, had, had really good success penetrating certain markets. So therefore, the the, the, the kind of space to grow is, is starting to become a little bit more cramped. They're running out of headroom. Um, so uh, these businesses generally having to, you know, if they are going to deliver the sort of level of growth which their shareholders or investors uh, expect, they, they've got to find you know, new ways of, 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 of delivering it. Um, so, you know, generally when I come into to the to an environment to sort of deliver, you know, some sort of, um, or, or to give a view and, and, and to, to put a project together in terms of how things might be done differently to, to meet those needs. Um, I always make sure that I, I, I spend a, a plenty of time just sort of getting under the skin of the organisation, you, know, um, you know, understand it completely, um, you know, how it ticks. Um, you know, it's, 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 um, it's, it's often quite surprising how, um, when you talk to the leadership team in a the business, their, their interpretation and their view of their business can sometimes be quite different when you go to the coalfax. So um, I quite enjoy spending time uh, when I go into, let's just say I've, I've, I've picked up a new potential customer, um, you know, spend some time in the operation, you know, co-travel with somebody in the sales team, go and spend a shift in the warehouse, you know, talking to a picker. Um, you know, go and spend a day in telesales. Um, you know, ask lots of questions. You know, get get a view from 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 people. Um, you know, who are actually delivering the day to day in the organisation. And often, you'll you'll find quite a different picture to to what the, the the leadership might be thinking is is going on out there. So it's really um, important, I think, to to kind of go through this revealing uh, process. You know, to kind of you know look at you know. What are the pinch points? What are the fragile processes in the organisation? Where is the creaky infrastructure? Um, you know, what sort of things are going to get in the way of, of of a higher level of success? You know, can can the can the can the warehouse and the operations team handle you know a twenty percent increase in sales? Perhaps not. They, they might be running at at full capacity. Um, I think the the thing for me as well is in, in most and suppliers, I think probably in any organization is that it's probably an obvious thing to say, but you know it's the people in the organization that created success. And um, I think you know what is um, often very revealing in terms of potential capability in a, in a business is that you know how well do teams work with one another? Mm-hmm. So um, are there silos? are there uh, you know what's communication like in the business. Um, you know how good are people at, at solving problems, and 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 how empowered are they to do that, or or, or or does any change, you know, need to go through three months of board meetings to happen? Um, you know what is the experience levels uh, within the teams? You know, what are the skill sets? Um, how well is the organisation resourced? Is there is there spare capacity floating around, or is everything sort of running on its, you know, running on an knife edge? Um, I think often when you talk to businesses about doing something differently, um, you will always come across people in the organisation who have very real worries and concerns in terms of how 
you know, change, even improvement will impact, you know, their ability to run their departments, their, their teams and, and, and so on. And um, it's often those, 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 um, those people who, as positive as they might be and, and, and to whatever extent they really want to contribute to a, a successful organisation in their own minds, they often just can't get beyond um, doing things differently how they, how they do today. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting that Gavin, um, and, and it reminds me of a situation I, I faced a few few years back with an organisation I was working with, and, um, and, and from the outside, and, and one of the one of the benefits of being an external provider coming into an organisation is you can look at things completely independently. And from my perspective, the organisation was very siloed. In its thinking and in and, and in its um, activities, um, and when I raised this with both the um, lower level teams and the senior management, they were like, "No, no, communication is really good. We're, you know, we 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 talk constantly, um, and and then you sort of take that into the individual functional areas of the business." And yes, the communication's really, really good, but the data um, and the way that they work, the activities don't talk to each other. So there's stuff going on in one part of the business that has a massive impact upon another, and no one ever talks about that. They're, socially, they're, they're, they're one team. Operationally, they're not. And it, it, it's interesting, and I've had it a few times with organisations when, when you start to look at the silo ways of working, um, all too often there's not a common understanding of that what what silo thinking and silo activities are. To be fair, and it's it, and it's it's interesting that you raise that as a, as as a, an, as an observation. I, I agree, and I think um, <clears throat> I remember reading some research a little while ago where. Um, there, there was some effort made to kind of look at what are some of the common denominators, and you know, amongst the most successful, you know, um, companies and businesses in the world. And one of the things which was a real uh, sort of success factor was actually the extent to which there is an informal organisation um, and 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 kind of practical conversations going on when and where they are necessary, rather within the bounds of sort of formal meetings or processes or whatever. And businesses that have that kind of culture where people can say, you know, gosh, I'm experiencing this kind of issue. These are this is a problem that we have doing this. You know, kind of, you know, how can we all put our heads together and perhaps, um, you know, find 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 a solution? And um, so I think you know this kind of creating um, you know a culture of of um, how can I put it? Just sort of common, just a common mindset of I, I think everyone helping one another. Uh, in an organisation, and and sort of feeling, you know, not threatened and 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 not 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 concerned with somebody showing an interest in your department or whatever, is is really really important because um, you know it's that informality of conversation which I think um, sometimes drives change in itself. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's having that 
functional areas tend to be, and, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm using my hands here, and I just realised that it's uh, it's a podcast and no one can see me, but tend to be vertically focused, you know, um, deep deep level of expertise in a, in a narrow, narrow area. And it's actually that ability to go across horizontally, across the different functions and drive that and, and manage that end-to-end value chain. That's where, that's, I think, where organisations can usually make a significant improvement. And when they do, the benefit and the value delivered is, is significant. Uh, absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, sort of the building on some of, some of, of, of you know, some of, the, some of what we've just said is that I think a lot of organisations spend a lot of time and investment trying to get people to understand one another better. Um, and I know there's various tools and kind of learning and development approaches around this. But actually, if everyone just takes a moment to step back and think about the stakeholders uh, within the organisation and, and, and people that, that can actually influence, yeah, doing things better perhaps for, 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 for um, or, or help you with the issues that you're experiencing in terms of how you run your part of the business or whatever, just understanding a little bit more about what makes those stakeholders um, sort of tick and, you know, what sort of things are important to them, what sort of things will, will they be sensitive to. And, um, you know, thinking about you know, just actually almost being making it a part of your day to think about how practically you can galvanize the support uh, you know across the organization um, and I think if you know if that if that starts happening at every level in the organization whether you know whether it's at the shop floor or within the leadership team you suddenly start getting an organization where people actually know one another better um, they know you know how to actually become influencers themselves in terms of getting a better result uh, from 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 the people around them and and, and so on and actually you, you end up with a if you like a, a, a more um, a more productive environment uh, for everyone to work in. Yeah, no, absolutely. Excuse me. So, um, transformation is, is is always stressful. Um, change is stressful because people don't tend to like to change. Um, so, one of the questions that we tend to ask people um, that join us on, on on the show is what they do to mitigate any stress or anxiety or just the general strain of working in an organisation that is in a constant state of change or, or driving a significant transformation so that, again, we can pick up on some, some tips that people can apply within their daily activities. Yeah, I mean, I think something that's really important, actually, is it, it's around managing expectation. I think there's, 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 and particularly when one's talking about transformation and so on, I mean, you can put five people in the room and you can talk about some improvements to the business and everyone will have a different expectation. So you might use the word, okay, we're going to get revenue growth and the, the CFO might be sitting there thinking, oh, well, that, that, that needs to be about 20%, I think. And then the, the, the sales director might think, oh, gosh, we'll be lucky if I get 11 um, you know, and so on. So it, 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 it's, everyone will have a slightly different interpretation of, of um, what you're setting out to do. And I think the role that you need to play as a transformational leader is actually to, well, create almost like a grounded point where everyone is actually has, has the common view yeah. in terms of what, what, what we're aiming to achieve. Um, and then also create um, a, a sort of common view in terms of kind of, what's in scope and what isn't because often 
a couple of different things can, can happen here. And in, in my experience, often you, if you do find um, in an organization where everyone's very positive and very forward thinking and so on, the moment you start talking about change and improvement and so on, it just balloons very quickly. And then suddenly, you know, you end up with this very big thing to try and get your, your head around, your hands around, and actually it's too large to kind of deal with. So actually, so part of part of what needs to happen is to actually sort of bring it back a little bit and say, actually, let's be practical. Let's not rule out any of these ideas, but actually let's perhaps maybe look at windows of time. What could we do, you know, this quarter, this year? And maybe, you know, that um, dimension which is being suggested is something which happens um, a little bit further down the line. Could that perhaps become part of a three-year plan or whatever? So to answer your question, to make sure nobody feels disappointed or, yeah. or, or, or whatever, be very clear on, on, on what can be achieved. And then, you know, obviously these, these, these decisions can be worked up collectively so that everyone's sort of bought into it and no one sort of feels, you know, the CFO doesn't feel, you know, oh, you didn't listen to me because I said 20% and now it's only 11 Yeah, kind of get everyone into the same place, perhaps through a slightly, you know, a, a process which involves, you know, finding some a, a agreements or whatever. So I, th I think it's really, really important just to work out, you know, what's in the box and what's within the scope and actually realistically, what are we what are we going to 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 look to achieve here and i think as part of that i mean obviously most organizations and i know there are some exceptions perhaps if you're in the third sector or whatever but it is all all about the bottom line isn't it so being very clear in terms of what impact that's going to make on on, on the pnl so you know what are what are the cost parameters you know what what can be expected in terms of improvements in in, in, in revenue and, and so on so um, i suppose the final point also not to, not to to forget here is also just to be very clear on, on who's accountable for what yeah um, so this is often i think an area where assumptions are made um and you know it's presumed that you know this this element of of of, of um, the work will will sit over here, or this person is, you know, um, responsible for that or whatever. But at some point, it almost has to be, you know, set out in black and white, so that there's no ambiguity. So you don't get to a point where, you know, when things haven't happened, you know, there's two fingers pointing in different directions. Well, I thought you were doing that. Well, no, but but you said that you. I thought you. Were, you know, um, you know these 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 um, you know assumptions being made. So. Um, I think it's really important in terms of, you know, managing the, that expectation. Um, and I suppose, you know, communication is everything in this as well. You know, again, in terms of just bringing people, bringing people with you. Um, and, I, and I suppose um, it's something which I've learned over, over the years is that you can never overdo communication, um, particularly where change and transformation is involved. Um, don't presume everyone is on board. Um, you know, you've got to kind of stoke the fire a little bit. Um, as many people who might be supportive, there'll be as many people who who, who perhaps aren't or, or who are wary or, or actually just disengaged and, and yeah. really, well, bluntly don't care. So um, don't assume that everyone's going to be excited as you are about this future good news that the, that the program's going to um, deliver. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. excited. It's interesting, Gavin. We, we've spoken about this in, in, in previous shows, and we, we talk a lot about identifying those people that are detractors. Um, but as you said that, the thing that came into my mind was 
yeah, yeah, the, the detractors to some extent are good because if they're vocal, you can do something about them. Yeah. But it, it, it's, it's, I was going to say the silent majority, not necessarily the majority, but it's the silent people that we need to be careful of. Because if they're not vocal, if they're not showing their displeasure or showing their pleasure, you don't know where they stand. And exactly. it's those people that you really need to try to grab hold of. Because yeah. you can swing both ways very, very quickly. Exactly. And I think, you know, that's where, you know, the consistent and constant messaging comes in, you know, so and also thinking about, you know, communication, you know, particularly in a larger organisation or a multi-site organisation or, or whatever is going to have lots of layers to it. Um, you know, your, 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 your comms around perhaps, you know, the discussion that's going on in a monthly leadership team meeting or whatever is going to be vastly different to perhaps a, you know, sort of town hall briefing out to the business and just giving everyone a, an update and I, you know I'm a firm believer in showing the evidence and I think often you know the people who perhaps are I might call them lurkers you know in the shadows you know looking well is this what what does this mean for me am I really behind this not or whatever actually showing some evidence and also show, you know of, of, of progress but also um, showing some evidence of momentum will often get people on board um, and I think you know making sure that, you know, particularly with transformation project, projects, um, make a real effort to make it feel like everyone's involved in it and everyone has a, a, a part to play in, in delivering its, its success. Um, I know we've often heard, it's been quoted so many times, you know, the, the old story of, of, of somebody, you know, visiting NASA and, and you know, uh, arrived in the, in the parking and, and, and there was somebody there sort of, you know, sweeping the, the parking lots or whatever. And they said, oh, but what, what are you doing? And, well, I'm putting a man on the moon. Um, and, and, you know, it's kind of, I know it sounds a bit cheesy saying that, but it is, um, it, it's kind of the same thing which we, which we need to try and achieve. And, you know, when you're moving organisations forward, people need to feel positive about it, need to feel a part of it. They need to feel energised. Um, and you need to keep on feeding that energy in, you know, particularly projects that are, are, are fairly, that might be a bit longer in length, you know. You know, over time, people get distracted, you know, you might find people slithering back into their day jobs and, you know, you've got to keep the, the, the momentum and, and, and um, you know, just just keep stoking the fire. Uh, yeah. now, the that NASA example is, is, is very, very apt. I'm, I'm, I've been working with a firm and... You know, repeating a repeating a message that's very very similar to that. It's like, what what are we here to do? And and in that organisation, it's very very clear um, what the objectives are. Um, and then, so once we're clear about what our objectives are, and everyone knows that and bought into it, everybody in the organisation is there to serve the person that needs to do the next thing in that process to get to that end point and almost get to the, look at the end point and work backwards. And everyone in that process is there to serve the next one to make sure that they've got everything that they need to be successful, to allow them to be successful in, in provide everything that they need for the next part in that process. And, and all too often you get caught up in those silos, as we spoke about earlier, um, and you forget, you get, you, you, you lose that momentum because you, you're focused upon your stuff as opposed to how your stuff needs to be available for the next person in that chain. So we're, we're coming towards the end of our time. Um, if, if there's one thing, one non-negotiable, shall we say, 
that you feel is an essential part of, of, of any major change in transformation, what would that be? Well, I think um, with any um, change or transformation project, I think often the most difficult part of it is sort of getting things moving. So it's a bit like uh, if you're unfortunate to have a broken down car, which needs to be pushed, you know, it's a, that effort to get the wheels turning as you push it onto the whole hard shoulder, getting it moving in the first place is, is, is the hardest part of that process. Um, so, you know, I think that the, 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 the thing for me um, is that there is always a risk to procrastination. Um, there's a, uh, a, a risk to sometimes sort of perfection getting in the way of good and people, you know, afraid to, to do something or launch something until it's, they, they think it's absolutely in perfect shape. And, and as a result, it never happens. So it's that initial effort. Um, I would say is 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 the is, is the, the key thing for me is to to get things moving will require a, a lot of push um, and and I think that, you know a lot of the points that we raised about communication sort of offer a big part of of, of of how that becomes a solution and also that that bits about managing what's in scope and what isn't you know it's about eating the elephant in mouthfuls you know make make the the, the big you know the big hairy goal actually feel like it's it's made up of lots of small manageable pieces yeah. which can be done over time so so i think and perhaps that's not perhaps I've, I've broken the rules a bit there and it's not the one takeaway but <laughs> I, I guess the one thing is that actually this is never you know change is never an easy process yeah. and actually you've got to put you've got to put the, the hard graft in particularly to get the wheels moving and, and I take that that sort of one takeaway being you've got to focus upon getting momentum. Yes. Um, and 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 that because until you've got that momentum, then nothing's going to happen. So uh, that's that's thank you very much, Gavin, for for your for your time today and and, and the insights. Uh, lots of food for thought. Um, if you pardon my pun. So <laughs> yeah, very good. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, look forward to seeing you again very soon. Fantastic, and, and and thanks once again, Tony. It's been it's very it's been very good talking to you. Thank you. Brilliant. Cheers. Well, thanks, Gavin. That was great. Um, a really good episode with lots of really interesting tidbits that people can take away. I trust that you find this episode of interest. If you have, please do share your comments. And please do subscribe and share your thoughts on the podcast as a whole so that we can spread the word and get the message out to as many people as possible. The podcast goes hand in hand with the approach that we take within the Transformation Leaders Hub, a community focused exclusively on those operating within change and transformation. So if you've not checked it out as yet, please do so today by clicking on the link in the show notes. I look forward to sharing another episode with you in a couple of weeks' time. So, bye for now.